Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number five of In Layman's Terms. Uh, my name is Ben Skilford, and I'm here with uh, Rich Sontag. Uh, today, we're going to do something that we were just sort of brainstorming about uh, last week. And our, our whole goal when doing these has always been to be very relational and conversational with one another, um, mostly because he and I more than once have gotten the feedback where people just said that they just enjoy hearing us talk about, you know, whatever topic we happen to be batting around. So we've tried to really hold on to that. And so I don't want to say that we don't do a lot of pr any preparation. We, it's just that we don't, we don't intend to sound like uh, preachers, you know, three points in an in a altar call or anything like that. Um, so basically our, our normal routine is we'll discuss a topic maybe two days ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we have a, a, a good idea of what we're going to talk about, but then I don't send him like a list of questions and he doesn't send me one and we don't send the answers back and forth. We, we try to make all of that really organic, um, so that the person is literally answering, uh, thinking about and answering those questions, uh, and having the real dialogue, uh, in real time, right as we're doing it. But... Last week, uh, we sat trying to have uh, one of those sort of like little prep me uh, meetings where we were talking about what we were, you know, the topic, our next topic, uh, which happened to be things like uh, unity and opinions and pet peeves and, and mm -hmm. how to love each other through it. And, you know, we got done with just a simple conversation about it, and we, we concluded that that conversation itself would have been a great episode because we were just, you know, going back and forth about our experiences and our opinions and what the Bible says. And so we decided to come up with something that's going to be even more, what would you say? I don't know if I'd say lighthearted. That's not really the right word. Less, A little bit less prep than we even normally do where we're just going to call it a rambling session or a ramble and we're just going to pick a topic and just discuss it off cuff. And so one of the ways that's going to look a little bit different is that for me personally, I'll reference a scripture, but I won't have it written down. So I may miss a word or two, but I am definitely not an address guy. Yeah. I hope uh, all our Baptist friends will forgive us. I know scripture memorization is highly prioritized amongst Baptists, and I, I, I don't disagree. I just, the way my brain works, I, I find myself knowing scripture more than memorizing it. But So that that's the way to look differently for me when we have one of those. What about you? Yeah, you know, uh, I was thinking about all my theology friends or guys that know the word 10 times better than me. That, that This sort of thing probably drives them nuts. Um and, and, and it may, that's okay, we're not really speaking to them. We're speaking to the layman, people that uh, are just doing life every day, and we're trying to work out our salvation. And, uh, yeah, so it's just being real, uh, being who we are, and uh, being authentic. And authentic, I think, is the number one thing, you know. Yeah, just yeah. So, I mean, so, these, yeah, these rambles are going to be 100% conversation. Yeah, so... What I, what I wanted to get into today in, in our ramble is, uh, you know, we all have uh, opinions, we have convictions, we have pet peeves. Uh, I used to be a manager and uh, for McKesson, and I had pet peeves that, boy, you better have your van clean, you better have it organized, you better thank me for lunch because most of the time I was paying for it because I didn't turn into receipts. So, but I learned that a lot of times I would miss the mark on my objective of getting them to sell better or get, train them because I had pet peeves. And I learned in the kingdom of God and in the church, we a lot of times have our opinions and convictions and pet peeves, and we lord those over one another and we judge with them, don't we? And a lot of times oh, yeah. we even take our strength that God's given us, 
And then we say, oh, man, that person's not very good at that. Well, that's just not right. That's putting down our, our strengths. So what I want to do is ask um, Ben some questions on scripturally, how are we to look at uh, opinions, convictions, pet peeves? Yeah. And what, at one point yeah. does that cross the line of us trying to hold someone down and convince them that yeah. they should think like me because I'm right. Well, and, you know, I've had people tell me before, uh, I've heard it from a bunch of different people, you know, there's a, a verse in Amos, um, and I, I don't want to say it's obscure, but, you know, the context, to pull this out of context and say that it deals with, you know, all relationships, um, especially in the New Testament, I think is a stretch, but they've said, you've probably heard it before, how can two walk together in unity? Um, you know, or unless they are unified yes, or something like yeah. that. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. you know, the context there is not, not quite what you'd want to see if you were talking literally about relationships. So I kind of um, try to interpret that through Paul's um, lens when he's talking literally about relationships. And so there's kind of um, three scriptures that I like to go to. Um, and I'll just give a little bit of reference to them. And then if I, if I talk about them later, people will have an idea of where to find them. But 1 Corinthians 8, uh, Romans 14, and uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Um, and so I kind of I split this sort of topic up into two to three sections. Um, the first one I would call beliefs. The second one I would call opinions. And then maybe the third, even though it could be into opinions, it could be pet peeves. Um, but it, when we, when it comes to beliefs, I think now we're talking about doctrinal issues. And so there's like non-compromising issues to me, and then there's compromising issues. And a non-compromising issue has to do with, um, just off the top of my head, the deity of Jesus. You know, that he was the son of God, that he came in the flesh, was born a man, died for our sins, rose again. Those are non-compromising issues. Sure. Um, then there are issues where it doesn't have to do with salvation, I guess, might be a good way to say it. Um, yeah. But let's say, and, and, and Paul had to tackle those as far back as the, the very first churches, uh, which is why I had uh, 1 Corinthians um, 8 in here. Um, and I guess, and I guess uh, Romans 14 as well, but just to do a little bit of 1 Corinthians 8 at the very beginning, he says, Now concerning food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all have knowledge, and knowledge makes one conceited, but, loves ed but love edifies people. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he is not yet known as he ought to know, but if anyone loves God, he is known by him. So just right there, the intro is, you know, he's saying, hey, some of you may know something that other people don't. Mm -hmm. And he actually goes on to say that, you know, obviously the ones that are right are the ones that don't believe there's anything wrong with sac eating meat sacrificed to idols. He makes mm -hmm. it very clear. But he's saying, but there's still people out there. And if you're holding on to your knowledge, knowledge puffs up. If that's all mm -hmm. you got, then you're, then you're egotistical. You're prideful. You're not mm -hmm. loving. And he contrasts yeah. specifically the knowledge that puffs up with love. And he's saying, here's how we want to walk it out. So he's, talk, he's talking about doctrinal issues, I think. He's saying, you can't, people were saying, you can't eat meat sacrificed to idols. This is a big deal. You're, you're engaging in this idolatry kind of a thing. And he's like, this is what people believe. It's part of their belief system. But the way mm -hmm. to walk it out is love. Don't mm -hmm. use your knowledge to beat them over the head with it. Don't use your, and actually, the thrust of it, I think it's really interesting because, you know, a lot of people, and you and I have talked about this multiple times, but probably one of the more abused uh, scriptures um, in 
in, in, in regard to people having different beliefs and practices is the whole stumbling block thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we've done in modern day, probably because everybody loves to be offended in Western society, I mean, that's a whole other topic, you know, cancel culture and offense and all that. But what we've done is we've taken the whole idea of a stumbling block and we've made it to be um, you, you've offended them. And the stumbling block means that they're offended. And that Paul Paul lays it out pretty clear. I think it's in uh, 1 Corinthians 8, I believe, where he says that the stumbling, because he doesn't really explain it in, in um, I believe, in Romans when he says it, but in 1 Corinthians he does. He says the stumbling block is causing, is causing them to do something that their conscience tells them is wrong. Now, he clearly lays out in, in, the, in the areas of, um, of holy days, and eating meat sacrificed to idols, and he actually even tackles vegans, sorry vegans, um, for anybody that approaches that from a, from a scriptural standpoint. Um, he, he says, you know, there's people that do this because it's a matter of conscience to them. And the stumbling isn't offending them. It's not that they would see you eating meat and going, how dare you? It's that they would see you eating meat and say, well, I've always thought it was wrong, but I guess I'll go ahead and do it. You know, there was no change in their belief or their conscience. They're participating in something that they believe to be wrong, and that in itself is sin. That is the stumbling block, the actual pulling an, act, an action, an activity out of someone that they believe is wrong. Um, so i got a question yeah. for you. So if I have a lot of vegan friends are very uh, health conscious, and they, they definitely, beyond persuasion, it would definitely give give me a lot of opinions of my pork eating or beef eating right. or whatever right. eating, you know, and tell me how bad it is, blah, blah, blah. And and there's a point where they want to lord over their conviction on me. Is it scripturally? Can you, can you show me a scripture that would say that's wrong to do that? Well, I mean... Wait, the lording over you part? Yeah, well, they re- I respect that they're vegans right. or whatever right. their health thing is. They're in great shape. Yeah. But they want to convince me I'm wrong and they're right and I should eat like Right, them. right. And I think, you know, in, in situations like that, when I've checked my own heart in the middle of those situations, I find that I'm typically only concerned with being right in the, in, in the conversation and not really... Not really imparting any sort of truth. I just want to be right. Well, that's a competitive that's me. ego. That's, that's a me. competitive ego or, or that's, uh, we yeah. don't like being can, right. Can I tell you my, my best observation about vegans though? Yeah. Okay. Do you know how to walk into a room of 30 or 40 people and tell right away who's a vegan? No. Don't worry. They'll tell you. Yeah, that's true. You know, I also like to say that about, well, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll just yeah, pick yeah, on vegans for a good. second. Yeah, um, but, you know, and I, I think that a lot of vegans that I've met get wrapped up in that. Like they, it just there's this. Uh, I mean, they're probably hurt, but yeah. you know, there's this kind of a chip on their shoulder where they just want right. to be right. They're just done with people telling them that the way they live is wrong. So they're just constantly defending right. it and defending it. Um, but to to get back to to the belief thing, you know, Paul Paul lays out the two different belief structures. You know, you think you can eat one thing, they don't. You think one day is holier than another, and they don't. And he says that holding fast to the knowledge that you have is the wrong way to go about it. But walking in love is the right way to go about it. And so he lays out how to do that. Um, And the way that he lays it out is to say, don't do things that are going to get people to violate their conscience, which I think is a whole fascinating side of Christianity that for the most part we ignore. 
the idea that people's conscience can tell one guy yes and one guy no, and then they have to get along together in love. Oh my gosh! Like, like the whole vegan and meat eater con- contra- not controversy, but those conversations. Like the idea that that you can think that I'm wrong and I can think that I'm right and think that you're wrong and we can love each other at the end. Right. I mean, that's like. Right. It seems like it's unheard of. People just can't abide that sort of disagreement nowadays. But specifically, that holding fast to what we think is a superior knowledge is the knowledge that puffs up. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the exact context that that is written in, is when you allow your knowledge to sort of allow you to, to separate from other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was one of probably one of the last really strong rebukes that I received from the Lord was he said that I allowed... Uh, doctrinal issues to keep me from being in community with people like it was my excuse to not love sacrificially because we had all these these disagreements and and all this all this stuff that really kept me from just walking in love mm-hmm. like I, I you know I used them in a half dozen different ways I'm sure um, and so you know it became a goal of mine after that to be able to walk I don't. I mean, walking, walking, really sacrificial love with people that I disagreed with, and I don't. I don't search them out. They're all around. I mean, you don't have to. If you get into deep conversations, you're going to find people you disagree with. You know, um, but I think. I think to me, that's that has to be the, the starting point, right? Um, we can't have 100% lack of doctrinal agreement either, um, and I think that's that's kind of um, where I believe. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, I think it is, comes into play when we start talking about different callings and stuff like that. Um, Because when he lays out the spiritual gifts and then he goes into right away, we're all to operate as a body. But he starts naming all these different functions and then he calls out people who are are saying, well, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. And because I'm not this, I'm not part of the body. And he's like, no. And so I I don't know what he could be referencing other than that there's people that operate or function differently in their callings. And therefore, the way I interpret it is there's going to be these bodies in different places, these different local expressions that focus on one thing way more than another. Right. That's good. Um, and you and I have talked about that. I mean, we, we run in circles where, where, you know, one church has this kind of focus, another church has this kind of focus, and we're trying to figure out, you know, wh- how do we fit into any sort of different focus? Yeah, I'm in a Bible study that, um, w- uh, gosh, we come from, there's probably 50% evangelicals, um, charismatics. I, you can just listen to, we all have different eschatologies, which is a sign of the end times. Um, we have different viewpoints. Uh, they're very principle-oriented, where uh, more of a charismatic movement would be more spirit-moved. Sure. Uh, and I don't believe one's right and one's wrong. Right. If that's your revelation and you live your Christianity through principle, that's what's been born into your life, and, and they're successful yeah. at it. Right. Um, you know, and I'm probably more like uh, I I know the word, but man, I need the power of God to get me there, to yeah. get me through it. To, so I I uh, I've come to a point like you were saying, I would maybe if someone would argue salvation, which I think is pretty simple, is Jesus is either Lord or He's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, but there's so many issues out there. I just it's not worth it to me to, to sacrifice the relationship oh, right. over my opinion to yeah. be right. Yeah. You know, and I've 
you know, I, early in my walk with God, I'm sure I lost friends where I'd say, look, I'm right. Really, I was saying, I'm insecure. I really have deep convictions. And I'm not, I'm not secure enough in my convictions to say yeah. I could be wrong or... I feel I'm right, but I don't have to prove to you I'm right. Yeah, yeah. And I don't need the Lord over my my perception of uh, of uh, conviction or whatever. You yeah. Know? And uh, so yeah, so it's that in the Bible study we love each other. We have different viewpoints. I'm in another mentorship class. I mean, we have some fiery talks about sure things that just are are just uh, wild. I mean. You and I have had talks over uh, even, you know, once saved, always saved. That's a big controversial thing. You know, I am comfortable where I stand, but others uh, stand differently that they believe they can lose their salvation. I feel sorry for them. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, uh, no, but I can, you know, I respect that because I've got a lot of friends like that. I even have Democrat Democratic friends. I'm a Republican. I've been my whole life. My dad would roll over in his grave if he knew that I bought a foreign car, and I'm, I I have Democratic friends. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but I I love it because it builds so much color in my life. Uh, For I don't, sure. I don't agree with probably eighty percent of their right. ideology, but I still love them. Yeah. You know, and uh, and are, are friends with them. You know. Yeah. And it's not a comfortable friendship because yeah. we, we like to hang with like minded. I think I think a lot of this comes from well two places. One I'd say, and this is the one I'll address second, but I would say our inability to um, eat the meat and spit out the bones. You know, there is a lot of wealth in churches that are not geared to um, be exactly our flavor or, or the way we would, or you know, our emphasis in church. For example, I think you and I have used the the um have used the uh example of a church that may feel like their main focus should be ministering to the poor whereas another church feels like their main focus should be you know praying for the sick or something like that and Mm. you know if you didn't um there goes my alarm if you didn't um if you didn't if you weren't secure in your calling and secure in what god told you to do then there's all kinds of opportunity there for second guessing and insecurity to creep in because, mm-hmm. well, I feel like this is right and they feel like something else is right. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember um, the, the security thing was the second of the two, um, mm-hmm. the, eating the eating the meat and spitting out the bones, but the security thing. I remember I was online uh, reading on a gun forum one day and people were discussing one gun and what was good about it or bad about it. And one guy got on there and he just said something and the Lord just used it to, to like highlight truth to me. But he said, I, you know, I can't, I don't know if I can stick around for another one of these conversations. All it is, is a bunch of insecure guys who at the end of the day, just can't be okay that someone disagrees with their choice of a firearm. Mm. And I started thinking about that and I thought, man, how many, theological arguments or even arguments on on opinions and callings like emphasis, you know, like Mm -hmm. the feeding the poor versus healing the sick. How many of those arguments take place just because at the end of the day, the person that's in the middle of them, it was true of me, the person that's in the middle of me, me in the middle of it is going, I'm just not secure enough in who I am to be okay with somebody thinking I'm wrong. Right. Like that 
in my insecurity, that was such a blow to my ego that I couldn't handle it. Like, they think that I'm wrong. I have to be right. Yeah. And, and I got something out of that. And when I started, when, when light was shined on that, I, it became, in certain situations, my wife will tell you otherwise, but in certain situations, it became um, just okay for me to walk away. Like, I just stopped. I stopped. Yeah. Engaging well, I tried to stop engaging in those arguments where, at the end of the day, what I was worried about was being right because right. that that idea that that I'm wrong or they think I'm wrong and I'm, it just it stopped mattering. I, it was I'm doing my best between me and the Lord. I think that I've determined this opinion, this scripture, this this uh, this uh, emphasis or vision for my life, and I have to be secure in that, regardless of what other people think. And I think that's where it's at. It's be insecure in what you believe, but like like you and me have come from different theological backgrounds yeah. and different ministries. But what I really appreciate about you, whether you agree or disagree, with, we don't get freaked out about yeah. you know about that. Yeah. I, I'm secure in what I believe. We've debated one say, do I say? That's a big subject. You know, I, I believe what I believe. I, I could be wrong. But on the other hand, I can scripturally back what I believe. I'm secure in it, so I don't, I don't have to be offensive. Yeah, or offended. Yeah, and I and I gotta, I gotta tell you some serious relationships from the past. I mean, I probably blew some relationships because I was so insecure, and yeah. if I wasn't right. Yeah. I was going to lose my identity. Yeah. And I think that's the core of really what we're talking about right. here. Is that if you really are convinced or believe what you believe, be be yeah. just, be chilled. Well, and, and you know what I really think? Uh, and, and these scriptures about Paul just talking about matters of conscience. Man, that really helped me a lot because just to hear um, him say that, some people's conscience tell them tells them one thing is wrong and another is right. And for as long as they believe that, that's the way they need to walk. Right. And it's like, wow, right. that just gives permission for people to have different opinions and just to walk away with it. And it doesn't mean every opinion is right. It's not this wishy-washy Western culture, American, your truth is your truth kind of thing. It's just that for as long as that's where their conscience is, that's right. okay. Right. And man, that was freeing to me. Yeah. I'll I bring up some controversial things right now. Uh, Jokes uh, and drinking and uh, oh, what, yeah. are, what are some other things? I'm trying to think of politics and there's a lot of things. You know, I like your I like your story about drinking. Uh, without without naming names, remember the story about uh, the the preacher who was told by by a Baptist that oh, yeah. about the drinking. Yeah, Tell I, that there was one. a story about a big preacher and a world leader who's in the evangelical charismatic circles and he was with a Southern Baptist guy and they were together and they were going to dinner. They'd become friends through the years, which is amazing. Southern Baptist guy and a charismatic yeah. guy. And uh, in, back in that day, that was 20, 30 years ago. And uh, the uh, the evangelical charismatic guy goes, man, he says, uh, I'm going to have some wine. I've had a hard day. And he's eating a steak and all of a sudden the Baptist guy chimes up and says, man, I'll be honest with you. I've been watching you drink that. That's really offensive to me. I, my people don't drink wine, and, and it's just, it's just I don't like it at all. He says, bro, I understand that. He says, but I said, I'll tell you what, I'm more offended by your legalism because you're, le you're legally laying on me what God's put on your heart and your people, and that's fine. 
But don't tell me this is going to cause you to stumble and go become an alcoholic after I leave here. Right. You know, so your legalism is offending me. So. Uh, and the reason why I like that is because it just shows this vicious circle. Oh, I'm offended, so you have to change your behavior. Right. I'm offended, so you have to change the, the vision and calling of your church. Well, I'm offended because you're not like me. And it's like, well, okay. And the vicious cycle is, well, now I'm offended that you're offended. Right. And so now you have to change yourself. Oh, right. you're offended right. that I'm offended right. that you're offended? Right. And it's it's just ridiculous. And right. I mean, you, you the idea that you can take a matter of conscience and be like, this is where they're at. Right. And, and say, right. you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, came in, yeah. in the flesh, died for our sins, and rose three right. days later? You're my brother. So when I first got saved, I got radically saved, and it was good. So uh, drinking or a beer or anything was, uh, whether it be offensive or it was wrong for me, jokes. I couldn't do jokes. Well, there's Christian jokes. No, I don't do jokes. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't hang with pretty women because that's a problem for me. I don't do jokes and I don't drink beer. Not one beer. One of you sip. No, 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 no. Be no. You know, and, and as I grew up in the Lord, because here's what it was. One beer to me was 10. Right. And right. a joke was always perverted, so I couldn't right. think clean. Your culture had to And I ain't going to hang around no pretty blonde girls because that just, it ain't good for me. Because yeah. that was led to one thing to another. So I had to basically almost cut all that out where I didn't go to bars, didn't hang around with women. But when I got saved, I just I was into word and prayer. Now there was a season for that, yeah. And I'd say a good five, ten years for yeah. me to have that. Now I would have been legalistic, condemning, and judgmental if one of my pastors or something would have been drinking a beer or yeah, or doing jokes. It would have not have been good for me. But thank God, I somehow got through that. And there was a point where I was like, you know, I've really mastered the whole drinking thing. Yeah. And then my pastor actually. So you want some wine? We're going to have a party. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess. And I drank some wine. I loved it. And uh, so I can have a, I can have wine. I love Christian jokes. I mean, David Christ is just a master at it. Right. You know, because we're too stiff. John Christ. And John Christ. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, and what was the other thing? Uh, talking politics or whatever. Right. You know, I, I don't. I don't have to prove my politics, you know, yeah. and lord over somebody. But there's a freedom I have. Now, mm -hmm. here's what I do. I, when I'm in a circle of people, I don't know everybody, I either just say, hey, do you guys mind if I have a wine? Or, sure. Yeah. It's a little awkward, to be honest with you. But I really don't want to cause someone to stumble. But most of the time, I know my surroundings, and I know the people I'm with, mm -hmm. you know, that I know their maturity level, you right. know. So, so I, I, I don't want to cause them to stumble, but at the same time, you know, uh, now when it comes to jokes, I would just say, y'all need to suck it up and get over it. I'm going to tell you a Christian <laughs> joke, you know, you know, like the one I heard the other day, it was like, you know, did you hear about the, the kidnapping in Fenton? And, and the guy was like, no. He said, well, uh, it's okay. The kid woke up, you know, and that's right. a dad You joke. sent me that that's one. Yeah. Dad yeah. Joke. Most dads are, most dad jokes are Christian yeah, jokes. Yeah, yeah. So I guess Christian just means clean in your case. Yeah. And... Yeah. But, but there again, um, you know, my freedom now, it does have to be yeah. checked with wisdom yeah. who I'm around. But at the same time, my legalism, mm. you know, when I was younger was sure. just for yeah. me. Yeah. I just wasn't grown up enough to be able to know that yeah. in Christ, you know, right. that that was just for me in the narrow path that uh -huh. God had me walk down, you know. So, but uh, there's just some examples of yeah. how I fleshed that out. Right. You know, yeah. So. I'm pretty much the same way. Like you have to... You really have to know your audience when you're going to engage in discussing something controversial and that kind of stuff because there's just some people who 
they'll jump right into that insecure I must be I must be right kind of a thing and mm-hmm. and it just it can get ugly really fast um, depending no. on the topic but <clears throat> I would say that one of the things that you and I are are decent at because we discuss it a lot is um, being able to eat the meat and spit out the bones um, mm-hmm. I remember early on you, you know you and I started talking about um, the always controversial uh, Joel Osteen mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. I'm surrounded with people who, because they don't like certain parts of his doctrine, want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I've always just said, man, if, and I don't agree with everything he says, far, far from it, but if there are people who are understanding the basics of the gospel because of what he's doing, then I'm all for it. Right. I, I don't hope that, you know, people get to the, try to get to the full level of maturity based mm-hmm. on his televised messages. But I've heard from you that they have like huge discipleship programs at the church yeah. and stuff too. But all that to say, you know, I've always, I've always just been like, if he's, if he is, is reaching people where they're at, then I'm, I'm open to it yeah. basically is where I've been. And then I meet you and, and you tell me that you are going through a bunch of stuff in your life and going through a pretty heavy depression mm-hmm. and the Lord totally delivers you like in a moment, right? Mm-hmm. On your couch, can't get yeah, up, can't interact with people. Joel listening comes on and that gift of encouragement of his just kicks in. Right. Totally kicked in. Ch- changed my life forever. Uh, and I, 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 uh, I, this is a big I'm glad you brought this up. Joel Stein, Joyce Myers, Jensen Franklin, a lot of the biggies, Billy Graham even. You know, you got a lot of those guys that yeah. are controversial, you know. And, and here's the thing. First of all, if you're out there and you're called to tear down preachers that are preaching, I, I, I just, I, I don't think you could ever back that up scripturally. You're taking your revelation and lording that over that. Now, if you don't want to follow them or watch them or give it, that's cool. That's so cool. But, but we really need to be able to appreciate what what they're doing and the part they're playing right. in this world. And so I personally, on my birthday last year, went and saw Joel Steen because I, I have a problem with his salvation mission. I think it's too simple. Right. I'm an evangelist. I you know, But guess what? There's a lot of TV Joel Steen and mm-hmm. there's a lot of real world Joel Steens. Yep. So I wanted to see it. Well, well, the day I was there, they had a 10 minute salvation message and it was total lordship. Well, right. Where a, compared to TV, have, it's how yeah, long? They, 30 they seconds? They got two minutes, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I've met people on the streets that have got, came to Jesus by his two minute, you know, salvation right. message. You know, he, and uh, his brother's got a, a ministry of restoring pastors. Yeah. They have a whole uh, doctrine teaching and they, they have all this stuff going on. So so if you were to go there and be a part of his church, which most of you are not called to, by the way, you're called to just get his encouragement. Yeah. You be encouraged. I think his anointings in the area of changing paradigms. If you're on one thought of process, like I can't make it, I'm depressed or I can't do it. His, his thing is you can do it, you know, and God's going to give you the grace to do it. Yeah. I think that's his anointing. That's all it is. Don't get your theology out of him. Don't get your theology out of Joyce Myers. Does she have encouraging things to say? Yes. I really believe yeah. that the idea of, of eating the meat and spitting out the bones is like the, the opening of the door to the grace and humility to being yes. able to accept differences. And the reason why is because I think that's the simplest step in reversing the slippery slope of, well, that church has a different emphasis of mine. And now here you have two churches, two very scriptural emphasis, one rejecting the other or vice versa because their emphasis is different. And I think you've got to, 
you know, some people might say, well, I'd, I'd never do that over simple stuff, but you have to take a stand somewhere. Right. So if you consider, you know, some of the quote unquote prosperity gospel that Joel Osteen preaches, the not simple stuff and big doctrinal issues, I would encourage you to take a step back and look at everything that's said and just try to find some meat. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you have to endorse everything he says. That right. that whole, I mean, the flip side of this is there's people who, who act like, I don't know if they would verbalize it this way, but they act like if you agree with anything he says you're giving your stamp of approval to everything he says and that's wrong but that's no different than saying that because he's someone uh uh sees lots of healing then everything he says must be true like you can't have either of those things they have to be just evaluated one thing at a time just because a guy is gifted and charismatic doesn't mean that everything he's saying is right and just because somebody says some bad doctrine doesn't mean that everything he says is wrong you know you can't you can't judge the whole person or the whole ministry that way at all. But if you would just start with, I'm going to look for some meat. And if you're a, if you're a Pentecostal charismatic, look for some meat in Baptist circles. Look for yeah. some meat yeah. in in uh, Anglican circles or or Presbyterian yeah. circles, and just try to work yourself out of that whole all or nothing. They're yeah. all right or they're all yeah. wrong, and just try to appreciate them for where they are. I think that Paul's ending of those scriptures in First Corinthians. Um, 13, where he's talking about the, the head and the foot and, and the hand saying, or I think it's the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. He ends it with the perfect prescription to people having that sort of infighting. He says that, um, I'm going to try and paraphrase it, he says, but those of you uh, who consider a certain part of the body to be less worthy, on that one heap more abundant honor. And it's like, how perfect is that? Because we all think that we are, you know, the best part of the body. So everybody else, typically, we're going to think is doing something less honorable. So you just heap more abundant honor on that side of the body that that you don't believe, that you believe is is, is worth less or doing something less honorable. You heap double honor upon them. So if I don't like the emphasis of a Baptist, because I'm very Pentecostal charismatic, but if I don't like the emphasis of Baptist or Presbyterians or Anglican or or what some charismatics might, you know, lump them all together as the frozen chosen, I'm going to try extra hard. To me, that's what what searching for that meat and spitting out the bones is. I'm going to try extra hard to dig out the gold deposited in that movement by God. Like, what are they really good at? What truths right. are, do they excel at? And I'm going to emphasize that over the ones that I disagree right. with because I'm going, to, I'm going to follow scripture and I believe that it's the key to unifying the body is heaping double honor upon the ones that you disagree with. Right. Because if you are at the main line, you know, the baseline of, of the sort of unbelief that we don't, we don't tolerate, deity of Jesus, that kind of stuff. If you agree on that, then you have something, you have some gold to dig at. You have yeah. somewhere to begin to heap double honor. Yeah, and I, people have problems with the, the you know, whether Joel's got a big house, big car, big oh, plane. Yeah. I, I don't really. That really is not our world to judge them because I can tell you, poor third world countries could judge you for your car, your house, your clothes. I mean, you're rich to them. Yep. You know, that's true. So if we're gonna judge whoever is in ministry with that. And they're going to stand before God, you yeah. know, as we are. Yep. So let's be humble in that. But yeah. let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater because we don't agree because he's got a plane or a big house or whatever. The other thing is I, I Uber drive, and I'm telling you, almost weekly, people bring up Joel Steen because I talk to them about God all the time. 
and uh, especially inner city people and say how oh they love Joel Steen how God spoke to him. One guy last week said, "Man, I don't like any preachers. Yeah, I don't even know if I like Joel, but he, he had this one message one night. He said it changed my life. He huh. said it just to think differently." And he was going on how he didn't even like Joel. But he said, man, he says, I'll tell you what, that one message spoke yeah. to me. So there's Joel reaching in mm-hmm. to these things, yeah. to these households all around the world and getting people off the couch as he got me off the couch. But you're not going to get meat from him. You're not going to get theology and, and right. the depths of Scripture right. from him. You know, go somewhere else. There's tons of teachers out there. It'd be best to go to your your pastor or your own church, you know, because the Bible, the Bible does talk about doctrine. It mm-hmm. says be diligent in your doctrine so that it would save you and you're here. Your doctrine can't be all over the place. It can't be six different places. Yeah. I would encourage you to start with your church. You know, what is his doctrine? What is what does he believe? And then grow from there, you know, uh, so that we do have convictions. But uh, and then be secure in your doctrine, you know, if it's salvation or I mean, my conviction of uh, water baptism that I would be immersed, you know, some people sprinkle or whatever. I, I don't think God's going to hold you back from heaven because you got sprinkled. Right. You know, but if God told me to get immersed and go all the way under, I'm going to get immersed, you know? Right. But there's people I know that get, you know, uh, sprinkled and, and doused with a rag or whatever, you know? Yep. I mean, the Catholics just throw water on people, you know? But, uh, you know, but if you... if if that's sincere unto God, you know, that's, that's, you yeah. know, that's, you're in, I believe, you know. Yeah. So, but anyway, so um, anything else? You yeah, I, I just want to, to kind of wrap it up, I, I just want to say that, that, I mean, that's my basic application of scripture to my own life is when I'm dealing with, um, you know, that conflict of doctrinal issues and beliefs, that's when I, I, I try to apply 1 Corinthians 8, Romans, um, Romans 14, which are the two. Some people think days are holier than others. Some people say you can't eat meat sacrificed to others. Right. Those are, those are I, I think, more applicable to, to beliefs and doctrines, uh, right. beliefs about sin, those sort of things. And so that leads me to say that I don't ever want to do anything that's going to try and cause a brother or a sister to do something that their conscience tells them is wrong. Right. Um, so that's where I land on that. Um, when we're talking about the area that we might call opinions or callings or, you know, real subjective stuff, that's where I go to First um, Corinthians 13, where I just want to uh, look for the gold. I want to I find the meat, spit out the bones, but find the meat in these other movements and these other types of churches and denominations um, so that I can heap double honor. You know, I don't, I'm not going to heap double honor upon... Uh, unhealthy areas, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that because I don't reject them as being part of the body, I'm going to find the areas that I think are, are good, that they do well, and I'm going to start there and, and keep double honor on them. So what there's this... Thir- First Corinthians 13, what are you referencing there? Oh, that's, that's, the, one where, that's the one where the, the foot says to the hand, or the hand says oh, okay. to the foot, because I'm not this, um, okay. I'm not a part of the body. And he says, here's how you ought to be treating uh, uh, if you each other. If you see a part of the body that you think is worth less... Keep double honor upon them because they're okay. a part of the body and right. they're being devalued, you know. Right. Um, so that's that's how I approach like seeing, um, you know, Presbyterians versus Baptists versus Charismatics versus Pentecostals. Sure. That's how I approach that. Is there's there's a there's a you know, a good, godly, enormous deposit of truth yeah. in in your movements. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to find out what it is. And, and that's the parts that I'm going to appreciate. Right. Um, it's not about your truth is just as good as my truth and everybody's truth is okay. It's not about that at all. But there are areas mm-hmm. where that we agree on and I'm going to focus on those mm-hmm. um, because I value our unity over I value being right. right. I have a friend at Pastor Church in St. Peter's and he acknowledges uh, a different church every week and prays for them out loud publicly. Yeah. They'll say so and so Baptist on the road, Pastor so and so, and I just want to want him to know that I'm rowing with him, not against you. I'm not here to steal sheep. Yeah, I'm rowing with you to see you succeed. I'm going to pray for you. I'm thinking, what a refreshing yeah. attitude. Yeah, instead of having a competitive attitude in the yep. church, and which is really what we're talking about today, is just about you know taking our different viewpoints and revelation and scripture and putting it on the other. And there's just, uh, uh, I find churches have different personalities. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's sort of what I was getting at with the, the kingdom of God. Exactly. It's sort of what I was getting at when I said, you know, one church just feels called to feed the poor, and that's like their main yeah. thing. And another one might be called to heal the sick. And here we have a hand and a foot, and they're operating differently, but they're all part of the body. Right. But in today's day and age, they're looking at each other and saying, you're not a part of the body. Right. Right, that's good. I know the church I'm here, part of now, Gateway, it's, it's very relational. I don't know, there's a connection there that is really unique. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's funny, we don't have a lot of meetings during the week. It just works. It's very organic. Yeah. I don't even know if you could duplicate it, to be honest with you, you know? It uh, is It unique. is extremely organic, yeah. I think I think John, the, our pastor, would have a really hard time writing a book telling people how to, how to right. do it. Right, the 10 ways of how to do yeah. it. Yeah. You know, uh, but on the other hand, I'm in part of other churches, and they're teaching. Yeah. And they're all about knowing the Word and being deep in the Word, mm-hmm. and that's their identity, yeah. you know? And, yeah. And, uh, and that's great, you know, but, but uh, Gateway shouldn't be like Crossing. Crossing shouldn't be like yeah. Gateway. and St. Louis, uh, Lake St. Louis Church shouldn't be like everybody else. You yeah. know, there's a different thrust right. in each one. And I think that's unique, exciting, yep. colorful, and that's the kingdom of God. Right yeah, there. I mean, I remember uh, the Lord, I believe it was the Lord, drawing a comparison in, in my mind one time. And um, he said, you know, just like having all the cultures on the earth... I believe are required. Do you know how we're all still made in the image of God? We're fallen, but they're still we're still made in the image of God. However, um, much it's tarnished by by sin. I'm not saying we're we're redeemed or or, or anything like that, but made in the image of God. But I believe that in, in, in that it you don't get the fullness of that whatever image, you know, whatever weak image we are of the Father, you don't get that fully unless you consider all the cultures of, of the planet. Mm-hmm. Like every single culture may reflect different parts of it. And I think that that's exactly the same way with the bodies of Christ or the different churches. I mean, you don't get a full representation of the body in Christ unless you take them all into account. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. all together, the expression is the body. The hand by itself isn't. The foot by itself isn't. When you put them all together, all of a sudden it's a body. And I think that those those kind of run parallel. All the cultures are necessary to even understand what it was like to be mm-hmm. created in the image of God. And all the different churches have to come together in order to even understand what the body actually operates like. Because mm-hmm. right now, I mean, how often how often does the world get to point fingers at all the, the lack of unity and stuff like that and say, you know, you guys mm-hmm. are acting like you don't even like each other and all this other stuff. And it's like, yeah. man, if we could take a step back and show no... We all believe that we're all part of the same body. We just operate right. differently on purpose. Right. I mean, what a what a difference in testimony. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's very. I only, Promise Keepers was the only thing I've ever seen 
really pull the evangelical church together, you know, that was amazing. And they had like seven principles of lordship and community and being carrying one another, praying for one another. And their movement, uh, I mean, it's worthwhile duplicating because we did seem to funnel into, I was at, in 1996, I was with uh, uh, Promise Keepers and there was 1.2 million guys there. Wow. And uh, and it really represented America. And they were every one of those guys were movers and shakers there. So they represented fifty to hundred people there, you know. And it was just an amazing movement. So I think we need to row in the same direction so that we can take yeah. our nation back right. for God, because we're losing our nation to whateverism, you know. And uh, and it's just uh, you know crumbling. And and we really have the power. To right. take it back with the evangelicals and charismatics. Yeah. yeah, I think we just, we have to start with, for me, the approach is we have to start with looking for that meat right. and spitting out the bones, like looking for what I can heap double honor on. What do I appreciate right. about your movement instead of what do I disagree with? Oh, right. what doctrine do you have that I don't like? Right. Um, you know, start with, with where we're similar and, move, and build on that. Yeah, and herein lies one of the, I was just kind of wrap up things, is that let's, work together as a body of Christ. Yeah. You know, we may disagree on certain things, but when it comes to lordship and doing good and treating our fellow man right and, and supporting our government to the best of our ability, I mean, there's a lot of things we have in common. Work hard, do, you know, raise a good family. I mean, there's so many things that we agree on. Let's row together in that and quit criticizing each other, putting each yep. other down for silly, petty things. And it will change the world with that evil trends when good men do nothing. Yep. And we're so at each other at times, you know, uh, whether it's politically or church-wise or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, and the devil just has a heyday of our division, oh, yeah. you know. And I, I just hate hearing about how people want to take down preachers and blah, blah, blah. It's just, you know, there's bigger fish to fry. I know? mean, it's it's one of the ways that we're supposed to shine a, a light, right? The, yeah. the world will know you yeah. because of how you love one another. Right. And what was the other one we were talking about the other day? Um, God giving pastors, prophets, apostles, teachers, evangelists right. to teach people the work of ministry so that they can be in unity. Right. Right. You know, and, and so. I th- you know, those are two pretty powerful ideas, pretty powerful concepts. Right. And... I mean, disunity in the body of Christ is a huge deal. Right. Um, But I think that, you know, I think that a lot of times, even the leadership in churches and stuff, they're a product of us. Right. I mean, there are leaders who are only in power because we keep going there. Right. And so if we, as the laymen, would start changing how we think, and we would start looking for the good in the people that we disagree with, churches denominations, organizations, if we start digging for the gold there, then we're going to gravitate towards leaders who do the same. And then all of a sudden we're empowering people who are going to be the thrust of unity. Right. In, in, in real world terms, we're the thrust. Right. Right. Yeah. It's cool. All, all right. right. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. You want to pray for people? Yep. Yeah. Lord, we just thank you for, Lord, we thank you for the colorful views of life that we see scripture different. We have different personalities. We agree to disagree, uh, but we, Lord, we choose to love each other and even honor each other. Lord, bring us together, God, as a body of Christ, so that even though we have different viewpoints and we see things differently, God, that we would complement each other. 
Lord, in that when we agree to disagree, we wouldn't reject one another, God. Uh, but God, we could continue to move forward in a mature way, uh, loving you, loving the church, supporting our pastors, God, and uh, supporting the vision that you've given us for this nation and for our own lives. And uh, we just thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.